What's up, everything? Well, it was the best of times and it was the worst of times this week. The Blues started by hosting the Coyotes on Saturday, only to find out that there was a snake in their boot. After an embarrassing loss to the worst team in the league and slavish practices thereafter, the Blues managed two wins against the Senators and the Avalanche. So where does that lead the team? That's what we'll discuss tonight, and we're excited to do it. So let's get started, and let's go Blues! Welcome back, everyone. This is the Two Guys No Cup podcast. Uh, we are here on Thursday, the 25th of January, talking to you about the St. Louis Blues. Mm. How are you doing tonight, Ian? There's a cold going around. There is. So wash your hands. I don't have it yet. You You're might. getting it, and I will have it next week when we <laughs> record. Um, but other than that, how are you doing? I'm doing good. It was a long day. I'm glad... We saw a Blues victory tonight because it would have felt even longer if we had lost to the Avalanche. That's true. It would have felt very long. I uh, listened to the song Long Day by Matchbox 20 earlier and thought about how it would be sad to listen to that if Robert Thomas was traded, (laughs) Um, which hopefully he won't be. We'll talk about that some later. Uh, But we will start out by discussing some NHL news. Uh, First and foremost, the Brad Marchand suspension. Uh, For those of you who haven't heard, Brad Marchand of the uh, Boston Bruins was suspended five games for a concussion-inducing elbow on Marcus (laughs) Johansson. I wrote that sentence, and then when I read it, (laughs) I was very confused by it. Uh, He basically was bending towards, I assume, Schneider, the goalie at the time for the uh, New Jersey Devils, and he took a shot, which was immediately covered, and he very clearly in the video looks up and sees Joe Hansen coming and leaps off his feet and elbows him in the temple. Um, (sighs) Similar to moves you might have seen in professional wrestling uh, 20 years ago. (laughs) It was uh, a... Macho man Randy Savage wore the elbow to the head. Uh, but this was hardly uh, Johansson, or excuse me, Marshan's first brush with the law of the NHL. In fact, he has a career problem with suspensions. He's had six suspensions in his career. Uh, he's had three fines on top of those, amounting to 19 games and an insane $872,000 lost. Um I think if I was losing almost a million dollars just because I was a D-bag, I'd try (laughs) to figure out how to stop being a D-bag. But what do you think about this hit, and was the suspension justified? You saw the footage like I did. Mm -hmm. It's a little tricky to find online, but you can find it. Your best bet is to just go to the NHL safety video itself. It's not to type in Brad Marchand suspension. Also a great place to go if you want to fall asleep. Just watch those NHL safety videos. Brad Marchand left his feet and <laughs> delivered an elbow. I think they're trying to tell you that breaking the rules like that is boring. It's never fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no one wants to be that guy. I don't know what Marcus Johansson did to possibly deserve that. Mm-hmm. I know most people 
that get hit illegally or something like that don't really deserve it in the first place. But you could think maybe um, it was someone that threw a hit on one of your players that was dirty and gross, and so that's what you're going after him for. But I don't think Marcus Johansson has it in him to do any of those things to anyone ever on the street, anything. So I'm not entirely sure why he decided that was the guy to try and elbow up in the temple. Um, Just a Marshan dumb move. He's got a big nose, not a big brain. (laughs) Um, Like you said, for a guy that started off with his career being pretty good, Mm -hmm. but was sort of thought of as a feisty guy that could score, and now he's slowly turned into like one of the best players in the league, period, Mm -hmm. and he still pulls the stuff. As a Boston Bruin fan, you gotta be like, we need you in this lineup way more than we need you throwing elbows at people. You don't need to be sending a statement to the New Jersey Devils that the Boston Bruins are not to be messed with. <laughs> <laughs> I think they get it. Yeah, it's just you get that red eye David Backus fury at someone. I don't like. Oh man! Oh man! Maybe he's being. They're both on the same I team. Just, I don't. I don't get dirty hits like this. It was just a vile hit. And it's not, I mean, in some ways it's not as bad as some other hits because it's not that, you know, uh, Joe Thornton thing where, or even TJ Oshie where you're just a heat-seeking heat missile at someone. Mm. It's not like he didn't have the puck and just went at Johansson. But it's just, this kind of stuff has to be eliminated from the game, and it's a shame that great players in the NHL, you know, Zach Ronaldo had a dirty hit we talked about earlier in the year. But Zach Ronaldo's function is to do these things. Mm-hmm. It's a shame that great players like Marchand are too stupid to get out of their own way yeah, and not exactly. allow these suspensions. Um, and, you know, five games is not insignificant in the grand scheme of a season. Um, you saw what the Blues did without Schwartz, one of their top players, and Marchand's arguably even more important to them mm-hmm. than Schwartz is to us. So... If they're fighting for a playoff spot and miss it because they lose three of those five games or whatever without him, it's going to really reflect reflect poorly on him as a team player. Um, but I'm sure he'll probably appeal, and I don't know if it'll be reduced at all or not, but it shouldn't be. Um, <laughs> in other news, uh, if you're interested, which probably most of you aren't, the All-Star break is this weekend. Why bother? Uh, the skills competition is fun. That's, the be- that's the actually the best part, happens. really. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And I like that they allow it to be a spectacle and goofy rather than try to be serious. Yeah, three-on-three. Three. I always forget that it's three-on-three three now, even though it's been like that for two or three years. Mm-hmm. But yeah. that does make it at least a little more interesting, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. And then one thing to update an item we talked about last week, uh, that sounded like <laughs> a business meeting. Let's <laughs> let's touch back on let's this circle, in a week. Circle back. <laughs> um, we talked about last week how the Blackhawks had lost Corey Crawford, possibly for the season with vertigo-like symptoms. Uh, just to update maybe give us a little joy off the Blackhawks was uh, they had a they just wrapped up a terrible homestand in which they played eight games and, and secured only five of the 16 possible points uh, they're currently last in the central at 22 19 and 7 which is technically a losing record as far as you and I are concerned yeah, exactly um, and they trail the trail the wild by four points and thus trail power or trail playoff contention by four points plus a whole bunch of tiebreakers i assume so 
uh, it's not looking good for the Blackhawks right now, which is always fun for us. Um, So instead of uh, our usual sort of uh, progression of going through some Blues topics and then talking about the games last, we're going to start with the games um, today so that we can talk about some of the uh, fallout from this week and kind of what it means for the teams towards the end. Uh, so we'll start, unfortunately, by revisiting the game that took place Saturday night in St. Louis against the Arizona Coyotes. Um, really, there is not enough bad you can say about <laughs> this effort by the Blues. You uh, were fortunately I, at the Killers concert and didn't get to, oh, or something well that else a, that yeah. night. You were there Friday. Killers was Friday, but I was thankfully on Saturday out and inebriated, exactly. which I'm sure lots of people <laughs> wish they would have been. Um, it's a good way to spend your time when the Blues are doing this. I will say when you texted me, mm-hmm. I believe you texted me like incredible or I can't believe it. Uh-huh. And I knew deep down inside, <laughs> I knew for sure that was because we were losing the coyotes uh-huh. but part of me wanted to believe no way i did tage thompson get a hat trick yeah, or something yeah. it was the alcohol that made me feel a little happy <laughs> and i was like oh this is no, just too no. bad <laughs> uh yes tage thompson did not get a hat trick nor did anyone else although two wild players came fairly close i think um or maybe only one of them had multiple goals. Oh, which Coyote? Uh, or Yeah, I said wild, didn't I? Coyote's player, Christian Dvorak, had multiple goals. Um, he's pretty good. He is good. On a crappy team. But he's on a bad team. So uh, the game started with a Zach Ronaldo goal, the aforementioned Zach Ronaldo of thug fame. Oh. Uh, which is, I literally, I knew it was over. Like, the second you let Zach Ronaldo score a goal on you, you lose. Should have just skated off I don't the know ice. what the one-to-one correlation is, but I'm assuming it's pretty high to allowing Zach Ronaldo goals. Because he's only got, like, nine in his career, and this was his third of the season. Uh, so, basically, uh, Fisher was in between uh, Petro and Edmondson, but he skated through untouched. Uh, he got a shot off, and he actually dusted the puck off or took two shots, the first of which was blocked. The second hit Hutton's far pad, and um, Hutton was just unable to get to it at all, and uh, Ronaldo uh, took care of the rebound and banked it in. Um, it was a very easy goal, and uh, I thought... Um, Jeremy Rutherford of The Athletic had a really interesting piece in which he kind of extensively broke down a lot of what went wrong on some of these goals, and I thought I'd just read a little bit from that, especially on this goal, uh, because he was pretty ruthless. He says, There are no fewer than half a dozen errors that allowed Arizona to open a one to nothing lead on the Blues. What began as a shot off the rush that was stopped by Hutton snowballed into a series of missed coverages, compounding mistakes that eventually led to a goal against. First, Vladimir Tarasenko skates into the corner, peeks over his right shoulder, and sees Max Domi. So Tarasenko, pressured by Ronaldo, goes up to the wall with the puck in the other direction, but that ends up pinning Ivan Barbashev in a one-on-two. The Coyotes chip the puck back in, and it skips over Vova's stick and below the line. Edmondson pitches down, but is picked by Ronaldo, who is going around the net. While that's happening, Christian Fisher darts out of the corner towards the net, leaving Tarasenko in his trail. Domi sees that he's got Fisher driving to the net unmarked, which forces Alex Petrangelo to rotate toward the near post. Hutton stopped Fisher's shot, but with Petrangelo's back to the rebound, Ronaldo skates around the far post to the putback just prior to Paul Stasny's stick check. Um, 
Not to read, you know, that long of a quote. Uh, also, subscribe to the Athletic, as we always say. It's wonderful. It's real um, dope. That's my that's my uh, penance for reading a long quote from them <laughs> is to encouraging people to subscribe. Uh, but no, I did. I won't do that with every goal. But just to kind of emphasize. This whole game was a team effort of failure. It wasn't just like a few bad breaks. It was really a, a, a calculated failure. They did their best. Uh, <laughs> they did their best to be their worst, yeah. Uh, two minutes later, Christian Dvorak scored his first goal of two in a row. Um, he scored uh, with assists from Demers and Quayton Keller. Um, basically, on this play, there are literally four guys behind the net chasing Keller. Uh, the puck got to Demers at the line. No one closed the gap at all quickly on him. Shin did it very slowly, uh, but not quickly enough. He took a big, hard shot that got through, and uh, I think uh, Dvorak just redirects it in front. Uh, and um, I watched the re- replay of this goal from the uh, Arizona broadcast, and their color commentator, who I believe is Tyson Nash, mm-hmm. Uh, said, this is a St. Louis Blues team that isn't ready to play, isn't ready to match the work ethic. Look at the Coyotes, Um, which is not something he's gotten to celebrate a lot this year, so I guess that's a plus. Uh, As an aside, there's a fun video on Twitter that uh, shows Tyson Nash and Paul Bissonette chatting in it's called pillow talk i think it's a running series they do but they're in their pajamas in a hotel room for the set but nash tells the story about how he finally broke into the league with the blues and how he uh T- laid a big hit on Demetra on the first day at camp that separated Demetra's shoulder, oh, and how Kelly Chase put like a basically a hit on him and went out and beat the crap out of him Holy in God. the last in the next shift. So it's very fun. He tells it in a humorous way. So you should definitely check it out. Uh, that was the only fun advantage of this game <laughs> because about three minutes later, Dvorak scored again. Uh, this was on Bortuzzo and Bergwind who are checking Ryder and Keller behind the net. Uh, but those guys, it looked like uh, Ryder and Keller had eaten those Mario Invincibility stars, you know, where they, <laughs> they can <laughs> be touched, <laughs> but <laughs> people just bounce <laughs> off <laughs> them. Yep. Um, meanwhile, Dvorak and Pareko are battling in front of the net, and Dvorak, who is six feet tall and 187 pounds, shoved off Colton Pareko at 6'6", 230, like he's air. I mean, Pareko gave no resistance to this tiny little guy who's just so. pushing him and then i mean six foot isn't tiny but relative to Perico. <laughs> yeah and then that's true. um the pass goes in and uh Dvorak scores i think this is actually where the uh tyson nash comment uh came into effect so he said it there on that goal and not the other one um then i don't want to spend too much time on the goals but panic uh assisted perlini on a goal um this one, uh, this was after Hutton had been pulled. He was pulled after the third goal. Uh, Allen, who we'll, we'll get to um, <laughs> later on, uh, does not cover his post on this play. I don't want to pour on Allen. I, you know, I would love to see him. Mm. Break that is out. a classic Allen and I, goal. Though. I do, I, I do think there's a double standard with our goalies sometimes, where you know, every a lot of people on Twitter were saying none of these goals were Hutton's fault. And I, I agree well, for the most part that there were defensive breakdowns. There was a defensive breakdown on this play, too, but Allen was blamed. But it definitely was a bad goal for him. Um, not the way you break out of a slump, for sure. 
Uh, but Petrangelo at the same time didn't even kind of get over to block uh, Perlini really? as he skated in. Um, JR. Uh, had a quote in one of his pieces where he said, After one period, Arizona had a 4-0 lead on 23 shots. Blues goaltender Carter Hutton had been pulled off this as the sacrifice for a sleepwalking team, and many of the fans in attendance booed as the club went to its dressing room. Uh, that's pretty much the story of the game. The th- second period saw goals from Fisher, Christian Fisher, and uh, Braden Shin. Shin's goal was nice. It was on the power play as well, um, which uh, both of our goals in this game were. Uh, but that's it was nice. very much too little, too late. And then Steen scored his power play goal midway through the third, uh, making the final 5-2-2. Two, two. Um, the two power play goals is the only plus about this game. Other than that, there's no way to see it other than utter disgust. Going into this game, the storyline for, you know, at least in our conversations, and I think a lot of people, was we had talked about earlier in the week, well, you're obviously going to start Hutton, or Allen, excuse me, against the Coyotes mm-hmm. because they're the worst team in the league. And if you're ever going to give your starter a chance to earn your faith back, play him against the worst team in the league, you know, mm-hmm. that didn't happen. So Hutton got the start. Uh, but Hutton got chased for, I think, the first time this season, maybe the second. Um, and uh, he was relieved by Allen, who actually, it looked like, built a little momentum and played better after the first period, but the whole team woke up a little bit after you swore at him on the bench and probably swore at him a whole lot more in the dressing room. Good for him. Um, But uh, if you remove the first period, we won this game 2-1, to so that's the bright side, (laughs) I guess. Uh, One of the cool things about this, though, was that all all of the Blues players were forced after the game to stay in the locker room for questions from the media, which Yo made them do. Uh, That's not common, which is kind of strange if you're used to, you know, the Cardinals. There's a lot more player interaction with the media. Um, But hockey gets a little bit of a weird Iron Curtain-y sort of thing going on with the media. Well, it's the same way as their upper body, lower body. They're always trying to be a little mystery to the NHL. Yeah, absolutely. Um, But there were some good quotes from the team. Oh, Yo said about that decision. I think it's important that when you have an effort like that in front of your crowd, you're ready to answer. We have to. It's on us, so you have to answer the bell. Uh, Petrangelo said, I was no good. We were no good. It starts with me, and it's just not a good enough. Um, Surprised didn't look in the mirror at all. <laughs> Tara Sink, oh, excuse me, Steen said, it's just a lack of urgency at the beginning of the game. They plain and simple outworked us. It's that simple. They outworked us. Uh, Tara Sink, said, this is embarrassing. It's really embarrassing for us and embarrassing for fans seeing, seeing a game like this at home. Um those feel like stock quotes you could have taken from any loss and put into this one, which got some fans on Twitter just even more riled up. But what are you going to say? I mean, you know, you yeah. can break down individual screw-ups, but it was just a total embarrassment, like Tarasenko said. Um, Yo says, obviously the start was very, very disappointing. Then the response to the start was even more disappointing, to be honest with you. At some point, you've got to get pissed off, and it didn't feel like there was a lot of that. It didn't feel the emotional investment was there from the drop of the puck. We were just a little bit too okay with what was going on. Uh, There's no explanation for it. To be perfectly honest, there's no explanation for it. You have to look at our division, and you look at what's going on around the league, and you'd think that you would come to the rink and no. 
<laughs> I guess you can just trailed off. No, <laughs> I. Uh, you can control your attitude and you can control your work ethic. You think the desperation would be there. This is a group that's won a lot and winning doesn't come easy. I can't imagine that we've forgotten the investment that's required. I can't imagine that we've forgotten that. I'm not sure. <laughs> he uh, says, I can't imagine. Then he finishes with, I don't know, maybe. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I like a lot of Yo's quotes. I think good, he says yeah. the right things. Um, he, I, I feel like he's willing to go a little deeper than Hitch's kind of. <sighs> Hitch used to just do the whole like we're not like he'd stand up there behind the podium and go we're not good enough. Yeah, and they'd be like, well, what happened? He's like, power play's not good enough, and shrug, and then he'd be like, that it, and walk off. And yeah, like, okay, cool. Yeah, so I think Yo's willing to dig in a little more, um, but uh, there's really no answering for this, as he says. Uh, and then one final yo quote. It's got to be unacceptable, unacceptable to them. I hate to say it. I don't know why he hates to say that. <laughs> That's true. That's the reality. I can say it all I want. If we don't grab this, then we're not going to make the playoffs. That's the bottom line. If we think we can play two good games and then just not show up for one, there's not the. That's not the way things are going to work from here for the rest of the year. I don't know if we think that we're good enough that we can get out with half effort of working hard two games. Two out of every three games. That's not the way it's going to work. We have a lot of guys inside our inside our locker room that know that. So saying all the right things, but not necessarily doing them mm-hmm. on the ice. Um, I wrote on our show notes that it was the first Blues loss in regulation since April 6, 2012. I think that's a bit generous. It was, however, <laughs> the first Blues loss to the Coyotes in regulation <laughs> since April 6, 2012. Um it was the first time they hadn't gotten a point from them in like 19 games or something, at least a point. Holy cow. Uh, for those of you who weren't on Twitter over the weekend after that, and who blame, who could blame you if you buried your head in the sand and hid from Twitter, uh, but the Blues went through a rigorous, to say the least, practice after the game uh, on Sunday morning, uh, which included an hour of really intense one-on-one drills followed by good old-fashioned high school two-a-day wind sprints up and down the ice. (laughs) Um, And Yo, again, quoting him extensively, uh, apologies for that, but I think it's important. I don't expect them to like me and be happy with me on a day like today. That's okay. That's my job as coach. My job is to make sure that when they play well and they're doing the right things, they understand that. My job is to also drive the culture and the culture for us. It's about winning. It's about demanding excellence and having high standards. So when you're the coach, that's your job to make sure that those standards are met. And if they're not met, you deal with that. I think that the players need to look at uh, excuse me. The players need need to look at you and know that you're not just going to panic and overreact to every situation. But I think that they also have to look at you as the leader of the standards of the culture. So there are certain times when you have to do a things a bit differently. Uh, what do you think about that quote in light of these other ones? Because I kind of like the tone he's setting there, as long as he's living up to it. I guess. Mm-hmm. I think it's really good. I think it's interesting that he kind of takes a leadership role on this team. It makes sense. It might sound silly to say that it's weird that a coach takes the leadership role, yeah. but I used to feel like Hitch, and not even just Hitch, but some other coaches around the league are almost more of kind of a standoffy sort of dictatorship. Like, you're the team, yeah. and I'm the coach over here. Yeah. But I feel like he likes to sort of integrate himself as like, yeah, I'm your coach, but I'm also kind of... I'm part of your team. I'm part of, you know, mm-hmm. I'm. he feels closer to the players he's than the me. super captain. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He feels like he's more of a player's coach, which we've said before. But I do like that he's willing to 
call the team out on this. Mm-hmm. And like I think you mentioned last podcast, maybe it means more when you yeah. kind of respect your coach and the coach has sort of given you a little leeway and is on your side when he's calling you out to be better. You go, oh, I really want to live up to mm-hmm. his expectations. Yeah, well, and I think there's a point to that and just in saying, you know, if Ken Hitchcock and – you know, all-time great coach, mm-hmm. not to just pile on him, but if his <laughs> attitude is always you're not good enough, mm-hmm. then it doesn't mean anything in a game like this to exactly. say you're especially not good enough. You <laughs> yeah. know, like you're extra not good enough this time. Mm-hmm. Who cares? You know, That's especially the guys like Steen or P- Petro who had that veteran, you know, experience. They're just, I mean, they'll work harder while he's watching and then they won't learn anything mm-hmm. from it, you know. But if you have this guy who's established himself as kind of a father figure, you know, or a brother figure, even given Yo's age relatively, yeah, you know, that's true. Um, maybe, it, uh, maybe it's more effective if he has to cuss you out during the game or, you know, make you run wind sprints. I think Hitch probably had him run wind sprints all the time, you know, <laughs> so that's not hard to believe. I definitely, I, I respect Yo's position on this. Um, and he kind of ended on sort of a bright note, which uh, frames the last. Uh, the preceding following two games, he said, these times can actually be really good for you and can be really good for your group. Through the course of the season, there's always opportunities to prove your character and there's always opportunities to grow as a team. So certainly this is a time right now. There's no organization that's immune to time like that, times like this, but the ones that come out on top and the ones that are successful at the end of the year are the ones that come out of it quickly and the ones that don't accept it. Which brings us to the game against the Ottawa Senators, which you were at in Mm -hmm. person so why don't you tell us about that one i was not as inebriated at this game (laughs) so i i remember it well enough i did catch a few of the replays of the arizona game i pretty much watched the whole first period and then replays of our goals i'm sorry (laughs) just because i wanted to see how bad that first period was i really wanted to know (laughs) for some reason just as a funny anecdote Mm -hmm. i hadn't watched like i hadn't taken notes usually i'm taking notes on the goals as they happen so that we can talk about them um or at least you know mild sort Mm -hmm. of observations of the game and i was so disgusted with that game that i hadn't done any of that so i had to go back and rewatch all the goals that happened and for some reason i decided to do that right after the ottawa game so i was like hooray we won now let's be depressed you really wanted to stick it to yourself yeah this game started off a lot better it was a lot faster I noticed that we definitely seem engaged. You would hope at very least, even if they lost this game, they would come out swinging because you got to at least send a message for the first 10 minutes of a game that mm-hmm. you're looking better, and they did. Uh, Saboka scored his ninth of the season on a wrist shot at 16-21 of the first period, assisted by Shen and Bortuzzo. Uh, Saboka had this to say about the goal. He said, Shen saw the open spot, and I just got to it. I have the speed. It's kind of one-on-one there. I was a little selfish there and shot the puck, and it ended up in the net. You and, mentioned that quote earlier, yeah. and I'm still confused by It's it. odd. If you watch the goal, he is one-on-one with a Senators defender. Uh-huh. There's no other Blues player <laughs> around him, and he fires it on net and gets the goal, and then he quotes himself, or he quotes that he feels a little selfish. I'm like, Maybe that yo lesson's really setting in. <laughs> Look, I didn't play for the team enough on the breakaway. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you'll see kind of throughout this we whole game. We saw some passes in this last game, but we'll yeah, talk about it. right. Maybe make you think that. Sorry to interrupt. Oh, no. So you'll see through this whole game that there's sort of a, a theme where they must have at this practice talked about 
if you want to score goals, if you want to outwork the other team, you know, you get you need to get shots on net mm-hmm. because it seems like there's a lot of quotes that we'll get to where players talk about shooting more and needing to shoot more mm-hmm. and we want a shooter's mentality. Yeah. And one one quick note before you move on, they mentioned during the broadcast that that was Saboka's ninth goal of mm-hmm. the season, and that tied his NHL high, which for some reason really took me off guard. Yeah, I did not that I, not that he was ever a prolific scorer, but I would have thought he'd gotten to twelve or fifteen at some point in one of his seasons here. You know? I think that was his last season too with us yeah. that he had nine and mm-hmm. whatever it was thirteen fourteen. But speaking of shooting, though, at the very end of the first period, with about a minute ten left. Uh, Tage Thompson fired three one-timers, all fed by Robert Bortuzzo from the, I believe it was the left circle there, onto um, the goalie. And actually, I guess he missed the first two. And then the third one hit Anderson. But it was an amazing spectacle as far as Blue's (laughs) offense is concerned. I know that probably doesn't happen a lot, a player being able to post up and get a one-timer off three times Mm -hmm. in a row. Especially because he he missed twice, so you kind of have to for it to get back to you yeah. again. But I still think it was amazing just from a Blues perspective because we don't see often we don't see that kind of shooter mentality almost ever. Yeah, um, it was amazing to see there live because people seem to just be cheering them on and they wanted a fourth one uh-huh. for sure. I know he went down to a knee on like the third one and people were just going like bonkers for it. It would have mm-hmm. been cool if he would have got a goal on there. Uh, Tage said that it was kind of funny. I've never had this happen before. <laughs> Just unloading three shots in a row. I wouldn't. I would have liked to get one of those on net, but it was a unique situation. I was just the one spot. I was just in the one spot teeing him up, which I think was really good mm-hmm. for him. And it's a unique spot for him because it's a right-handed shot. Mm-hmm. So you're not going to get a lot of one-timers from over their period. I mean, this team doesn't really do it anyways. Yeah. But I think they've started to see that what value he has as a shot. Yeah, I agree. It's probably like a longer stick. It's a, a longer wingspan. He has a lot of wind-up to it. It's very much like a Pareko, you know, mm-hmm. sort of shot. The first one was definitely like a laser beam. That one went through like crazy quick. Even if you miss it, that's enough of a statement shot to be like, watch out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also said, I think one of my better assets is my shot. So for me, this helps the teams out. This helps the team out. Mm-hmm. I've got to be shooting pucks and creating offense. And the best way for me to do that is to use my shot. Sometimes you run into a hot goalie or they're just not going in for you. Tonight was one of those nights. Yeah. I felt like for me, I had a lot of good chances and just didn't find the back of the net. But I think if I just keep shooting and sticking with it, eventually they'll start to go in. Yes, yeah, so a red hot goalie like Craig Anderson <laughs> yeah. and his .728 save percentage. I'm telling you right now, because we're talking about this Ottawa uh, game, I say Craig Anderson, it's the... Senators goalie from this game, but mm. because we just watched the Avalanche, yeah, I say Craig Anderson, but I see him in his Avalanche jersey <laughs> from like five, six years ago. It's really messing with my head. But that was the end of the, the first period. The yeah. Blues are up 1 0. They outshot the Senators 14 8. It was a really good first period. It was one you want to see after a stinker like the one against Arizona. Second period wasn't overly eventful, didn't see any goals there. There was a double minor that Bortuzzo took three minutes and 38 seconds into the second period. And even though that sounds like it's spelling doom for the Blues with only being up one goal, it actually turned into a great asset. The Blues did a marvelous job killing the two minors over the four minutes. They did a great job standing up the Senator players at the blue line as well as keeping it in the center zone for large chunks of time. I want to say maybe for 20 seconds, did they have any sustained pressure? I think they did a real good job of just holding them at our blue line. Yeah, it was impressive. I don't think 
this I don't know if the center's power play is overly good, but man, for a team that I think we mentioned this just last week because we played them last week, mm-hmm. for a team that has as much skill as they do on that team, you gotta think they'd be better at the power play, or at least zone entries. It was really weird. All the na- uh, because we had mentioned that I was just noticing all the names that were out there for that mm-hmm. power play. It's inexplicable. I mean, ours is too, I guess, to other teams. Yeah, but I know. I guess we don't really have room to make these sort of accusations, but it it just seems odd, especially a, a power play as just if you have uh, Eric Carlson on it, you yeah. think that'd be good enough. enough. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the second period ended with the Blues leading one zero still, and they outshot the Senators in this period eleven eight, so still leading in shots. The third period had me a little worried because we were only up one nothing. This felt like a push period where it was like, well, the centers aren't good, but they'll push. Mm. And we just saw the Coyotes game. So really, it doesn't matter if the team's not good. <laughs> I'm still worried. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen. I know right before the spoiler alert Tarasenko goal, yeah. I was literally in process of typing... Are we okay with this being a one nothing victory? Because we shouldn't be, you know, because that, we mm-hmm. we emphasized before the game how bad the Senators are doing overall and how badly we needed a statement victory, you know. But mm-hmm. I literally couldn't finish typing it before. Yeah, Tarasenko <laughs> scored his twenty first of the season, uh, fired a slap shot from the left boards off a big rebound that Anderson let up. Uh, obviously, not a great rebound by Anderson either. This goal was assisted by Preko and Brodziak. A uh, breaker fired one from the blue line through traffic. Anderson made the save with his blocker, and he punched it out to the right where Tarasenko was along the half boards. Tarasenko, I think, took a one or not one time or a slap shot from there, which is a little different for him mm-hmm. too. So maybe Anderson thinking, well, I know this Tarasenko, he's not going to wind up for it. But man, does he look lackadaisical just skating over it to his right? Looks like he does not reset at all. No, he does not. He resets as it's in the <laughs> yeah. air, and it goes by him and. It goes, I believe, under his blocker and by the post, so to his strong side, mm. which is never a great goal to give up ever. So that put the Blues up to similar uh, to the Allen goal, actually yeah. the second one in the Coyotes. I, I was gonna, one. I was gonna say it, but we talked about trying not to lay on him, so <laughs> I laid off. But yes, it did remind me a lot of a Jake Allen goal. Yeah. Uh, blues were up two zero. They looked really good in the last fifteen minutes of this period. This was, I thought, this was kind of a statement period for them. The Senators could have really pushed. They could have really opened up the game, especially mm-hmm. with the offensive firepower we talked about. But the Blues managed to not only clamp down on them, but there were whole street, like whole stretches of that period, especially actually right after that Tarasenko goal where he put out uh, Brodziak and Upshaw. And I think this is when we were platooning out seven defensemen. So I don't know who their, mm-hmm. who their third guy was in that line, but we held them in there for pretty much the whole goal announcement, the whole mm-hmm. towel man stuff, everything. We were just behind the net the whole play. So that was, I thought that was a really good sign. We did a really good job. They pulled the goalie. Shen scored his 20th on an empty net, assisted by Petrangelo and Steen. And that was pretty much all she wrote. It was a 3-0 victory for the Blues. Carter Otten got his second shutout of the season and the 10th of his career. I thought, even though it wasn't against the best team, we kind of already reiterated or talked about how we had just lost to a really bad team Mm -hmm. so a win against the ottawa senators especially a 3-0 win i think was good enough was good enough to put me a little bit more at ease i should say it made me feel a little better about what had happened last game at least they kind of understood for this game (laughs) uh some little storylines here the blues outshot the senators 41 to 25 the blues 
face-off percentage was better than the Senators with 59% of the draws to the Sens 41. Mm-hmm. Power play, neither team scored anything. Blues row for three, Sens row for four. So, again, power play not so great, but PK is pretty good. So, yeah. there you go. You got a little trade-off there. Blues had nine takeaways, the Senators five. Um, this was Saboka's best game of the season, for sure. Yeah, that goal he scored was really nice. Yeah, he had one goal, four shots on goal, three hits. He had 17 minutes and 40 seconds of ice time, which was the third most for a forward in that game. But then he had the most even strength ice time of any forward with 15 minutes and 40 seconds. So you could tell that he was feeling it. Yo saw he was feeling it. Um, he was playing in all three zones great. He played a really physical game, which mm-hmm. I don't know if we've seen so much from him this year yet. Yeah. I think if he Which would be yeah. a big part of transitioning probably from the bigger ice. Oh, for sure. If you're in the KHL, you're not being nearly as physical yeah. as you are over here. I know they've mentioned too that they think his time in the KHL has made him sort of a better playmaker mm-hmm. just because you have more space and he's kind of been able to bring that over here a little bit. Yeah. So that's that's good to see. Uh, which he did we'll have, see on a goal in the Oh, yeah. He did have a really good one in this game tonight. He said of this Ottawa game, though, he said, I need to shoot more. I'm trying to do it. And Yo respond with, yeah, he's got a good shot. So <laughs> he's, I, they definitely want this team firing the pucks more. Uh, Mike Yo also said of Saboka's game, that was easily one of his best games of the season. I thought he looked real strong all over the ice, involved in the forecheck, involved in the D-zone coverage, involved in the penalty kill, really solid game. And... As a more humorous aside, after these games, uh, if you played a really good game, you were the first star. I'm assuming it was this game. I didn't check. He was. Okay, there you go. Poo-poo on me. Despite the Hutton. Shut out. Hutton's playing so well, it's just normal everyday affair now. So they had Saboku as the first star hop over the boards and talk to Darren Pang, as you always do when you're the first star. To talk to the crowd that's still there at Scott Trade and hasn't left for uh, the parking lot yet. And I believe Darren Pang called him uh, a little guy uh, to his face. With gumption. With gumption, of course. In front of this crowd. And if I'm Saboka, I'm just pun. I love Darren Pang. We all love Darren Pang. He's, despite not being from St. Louis or America, uh-huh. a national treasure. But I'm punching that guy in the face. <laughs> I'd be like, look, dude, we're the same height. I'm a far superior <laughs> NHL <laughs> player to you. Please don't call me this. Like, oh, I know. You may not have seen because you were at the game, but I tweeted the same thought. And <laughs> I guess we're just in the same mindset because I was like, do you think Savoka wants to strangle him? Because it looked like it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, look. I understand English enough to know this is kind of like a little rib. Yeah, exactly. But I'm also not American enough to, to enjoy to rib back. Yeah, yeah. To rib back. <laughs> I do not like your joke to my face. <laughs> I'm a proud Czech man. Yes. Um, the gorgeous surviving Czech. He's <laughs> formerly Czechoslovakian. Yeah. You will respect me. Yeah. <laughs> I also thought Tage Thompson had a really good game. Not only just those three awesome one-timers he had, uh-huh. but also I saw a lot of his sort of playmaking ability in this game and a lot of his, I guess, maybe puck work. He has really slick hands for a big guy. You see that a lot on sort of shorter shorter guys, faster guys. But I guess actually maybe not even faster guys because Tage Thompson, another asset he has is his speed. I think we've mentioned this a couple times, is that he's kind of a Jay Bomeister type where he's – really tall he's got long legs and when you're watching him skate you're kind of amazed at how fast he's moving for how little motion he's making mm-hmm. i think that's a huge asset i think that's something that actually 
burns other players. They don't think it's coming. They're kind of watching him move, and then they're kind of watching him move past them. And it's kind of like this, wait a second, I didn't think he was going to be over here. I think even a few uh, plays tonight in this Avalanche game that we'll talk about, he had some really good passes. He has, I think he's got a better hockey IQ than I thought. He had a few where he, it was behind a guy or something like that, but that, you know, no, you'll learn that in time or you'll mm-hmm. just have those. And then, like we talked about, I think the Blues must have talked during that, those long practices about shooting more, that yeah. they just needed that either to generate offense by scoring on shots, to get rebounds, to get people moving, to get the power play working. It just seemed like a, maybe not a completely different team, but a team that had its head straight, a team that had a message they wanted mm-hmm. to lay out on the ice for fans to see for the opponent to see for the coach to probably see more than anything (laughs) yeah Uh, please don't do it again coach yeah yeah. two little things from this game though too before ending on it this was uh this guy just goes home forever (laughs) that's two it's two factoids you can use this at your next party (laughs) uh preko's 20th assist tonight on uh the tarasenko goal became makes him the first defenseman in blues history to record 20 or more assists each of the first three seasons they were in the I'm league. I'm really glad you mentioned that. That's yeah. important. Yeah. So you might think, uh, I don't know, an Al McKennis or maybe a Chris Pronger, which I was thinking of myself to my head. Um, neither of those guys were Blues, actually, early on in their career. Uh-huh. But I am not. I can't really speak for Al McKennis, but I know Chris Pronger for a while, even when we traded and got him here from, I believe, the Hartford Whalers, had a kind of a long couple of seasons to begin with they were mm-hmm. not maybe i don't want to say that these guys are or that Pareko's these guys but they weren't this good offensively to start yeah, with it yeah. took a little while so it's almost amazing to see Pareko have that distinction alone mm-hmm. i definitely would have thought it would have been somebody else in 51 years or whatever yeah. of the blues history yeah that's impressive because 20 doesn't seem like that high a number yeah you know but no yeah and that's the thing is I think it just goes to show, I think he had a quote saying, too, that it's more the team around him that's helping him more than anything. And, I mean, that's always that's nice to you say. say. you <laughs> got to say it. But I think it, it's kind of also true. I think there's a lot of guys on here mm-hmm. that are able to score. I mean, how often do you just kind of pass it to Tarasenko and you get an assist? So yeah, that's true. I think it helps a lot. And then last fact is that with this victory or with the uh, Senators – game victory the blues become the eighth team in the nhl to reach 1800 wins mm-hmm. the other seven ahead of them being the original six teams and the philadelphia flyers all of whom have won stanley cups i believe because yep. they, they got it, right? are the only team with 1800 that hasn't won so we're the we're <laughs> the oldest team without a cup we're the saddest team without a cup we're so many things without That's a cup we're two guys no cups oh man <laughs> um so yeah so building off of that game um the storyline you know is going to happen after that one is that Carter Hutton's going to get the net again on Thursday tonight against the Avalanche because he got a shutout, and that's pretty much <laughs> and he did inevitable, and he certainly did. Um, and so he started against the Avalanche today. Uh, the Blues did not jump out of the game quite as gate, excuse me, quite as hot in this game. They looked, I don't want to say sloppy, but just kind of. 50 50 mm-hmm. sort of neutral on uh some of the opening possessions they got a power play about halfway through the first that they only got one shot on just as a tribute to their history <laughs> if this team ever gets more than like a shot on net on the power play yeah 
that's a miracle. Yeah. You should chalk that up to a successful power Absolutely. play. Absolutely. <laughs> it's not a goal. It's two two or more shots. Yeah. Uh, we should mention, I suppose, that Jaden Schwartz returned in this game. Uh, everybody uh, knows. Though you don't, uh, <laughs> I think you do not see him on the sh- score sheet. He was not playing with uh, Tarasenko and Shen. Who, do you know, was it Shen and Steen? Steen? Okay. So um, their line did well. Steen looked good today, but... Uh, Schwartz, I mean, you expect him to have a game or two yeah. where he's coming back and getting used to it. Um, but he did return. At 14-11, there was a high-sticking penalty on Nathan McKinnon against uh, Pareko, I want to say, or Edmondson. Edmondson, Joel, Joel yeah, Edmondson. I think so. Um, and wouldn't you know, we got a power play goal. Hooray! Um, Stastny played, made a nice pass behind the net to Berglund, who sort of circled in front and fed it to Petrangelo at the point. Uh, he took a heavy shot, and Stastny had circled around the uh, net and collected the rebound and buried it, um, which uh, Stastny is actually really good at, I think. He's got a rebounds, couple rebound goals this year, rolling close. It's a, it's a skill we need on this team, especially mm-hmm. you don't think of him as like the big body guy that's going to like outmuscle people, you know. But it was nice to see this the rotation on the play. You could, you know, if you watch it back, you can visibly see Stastny passes to Bergwin behind the net. Bergwin rotates in front. Mm-hmm. Pass as he's passing to Petrangelo, and Stastny rotates over to where Bergwin was and is there for the rebound to score the goal. It's how a power play is supposed to work, <laughs> as Darren Pang would later say. Um, the first period ended sort of in that same vein. Um, this one never really looked threatening to the Blues. Maybe at some point in the third before we yeah. before we went ahead, but um, it wasn't. You know, full throttle. It, it didn't look necessarily as dominant as the Ottawa game what looked. Uh, but in the middle of the second period, Braden Shen scored, and wouldn't you know it, it was also a power play goal. His 21st of the season with an assist from Vince Dunn and Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, Dunn took a really heavy shot. It was very interesting. It was one of those Shea Weber kind of just you know, reel back and fire it. Shots, it is a harder shot than I would Don't necessarily yeah. expect from him since he's not the biggest guy, but uh, it got through, but it bounced out um, and Shin grabbed it and took a spin um, and then shot on a really heavily screened Bernier as steam was kind of jumping out of the way and uh, scored over, I want to say his glove side. Um, because goalies are right-handed, and I had to think about it because <laughs> my glove would be on the other hand because I'm one of them freaks. Uh, but You'd it be was, a right-handed goalie with the glove? My glove would be on Your right my hand? right hand. Yeah, I'd have my stick on my You weirdo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, You're a real Steve Mason. <laughs> uh, in NHL video games, I can never score on left-handed goalies. Oh, it's very hard. Because all my hard. plays are skate out oh, the right left side. Hand. Oh, left-hand. Oh, really? Or like the yeah the yeah. opposite where you know where their gloves on the right their gloves on the right side because yeah. all my plays are skate up yeah. on that side and shoot over their shoulder when their gloves there it's hard that's got to be hard <laughs> for real players though, yeah too, I for think sure. it is for sure it's weird that you don't see more lefty goalies just as sort of like a change an advantage sort of thing, yeah. Know? Uh, but in any case, um, we digress. Bernier, to my knowledge, is not lefty. It'll be embarrassing if somebody's like, guys, Bernier actually is left-handed, but he's well, not. He's pre- I'm pretty sure. Well, we have to decide what's what handed. What are we calling handedness? So, if you're a left-handed person, yeah. you're holding your stick with your left okay. hand, and your glove is in your right hand. 
Unless I'm reversing that. No, you're probably now right. Now my brain's broken. Yeah, we um, look, folks. <laughs> people know. have a blocker, and they have. Look, you think we're you think we're professionals? We're not professionals. <laughs> not even close. But uh, I'm gonna look up Brayden Holtby because for some reason he's what I thought of when I thought goalie. He has his yes, I was correct. He has his blocker on the right, and they can sort of right-handed. So yes, I okay. assume you were uh, right. Um, my but instinct, you're actually left. I was just thinking baseball, which is how that would be. But I was anyway. Um, moving on, <laughs> they scored that goal, which was good. And then later in the period, <laughs> just you can all just pretend that never happened. Um, you learned with us, yes. Uh, but um, later in the period, Alexander Kerr. Foot <laughs> scored Never his say it 12th like that. of the season. The college uh, rookie who they signed as a free agent, um, assisted by Tyson Jost and Anton Lindholm, who got his first assist of the season. Uh, there were several failed clearing attempts on this play. The last one by Barbashev. Lindholm kind of blocked it at the line and then took a big shot that forced Hutton to make a standing, almost jumping save. One of those where you like raise oh, your yeah. chest high and it bounced down to Kerfoot and he had no chance to get down and over to it before the puck was in. It wasn't really Hutton's fault at all, but um, it was nice to see a goal. I mean, other than the failed queer, it was nice to see a goal that wasn't like, oh, these three things broke down on the play Mm -hmm. to make this happen. You know, it was nice, almost weirdly refreshing to see a goal where it was like, oh, that just happened. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh well. (laughs) What can you do? Um, The third, we kind of looked ugly at some points on the third. A lot of it was just not capitalizing on opportunities. The big one was Bergwin, Thompson, and Petrangelo raced in on a three-on-one. Bergwin and Thompson were kind of ahead and behind a defender. And Petrangelo was oh, yeah. uh, like the third point <laughs> on the triangle. And for some reason, Bergwind, who's carrying the puck to the goalie's right, decided to try and back pass it to Petrangelo through this defender instead of either shooting or passing it to Thompson. And unbelievably, the defender <laughs> knocked it away. Um, and there were a couple. I know Steen had an opportunity where he made a pass instead of shooting that was really strange. This is where the stuff we were talking about last game sort of rang out in my head when I was watching. I'm like, are they not going to shoot anymore? We just talked about how you all talked about shooting, and yeah. now you're not going to do it because you're up, whatever, 2-1. to one. Yeah. They think that's good enough. I guess they do. Um, but in any case, uh, despite appearances, um, we took a three to one lead uh, very late with uh, a minute and a half left on a non empty net goal. Steen scored his tenth of the season. He's really been warming up. Saboka assisted him very nicely with his fifteenth. Uh, Saboka and Steen sort of entered the zone together on a two on one. And uh, Saboka held it really long. Never looked to shoot. Was always looking at <laughs> yeah. Steen. He already had his whole body ma- turned towards Steen. Managed to freeze both Bernier and the defender enough that he got it to Steen. And Steen took a really nice shot that Reimer didn't react to very well. And they scored the game-clinching goal, making mm-hmm. it 3-1. to one. And the rest was history. Uh, this was interesting because we actually got outshot 37 to 34 by the abs but it didn't feel that way necessarily there were points where they had a little more momentum but it felt like a pretty even game mm-hmm. the end of the third period they're kind of coming on yeah before we, we scored that third uh-huh. one we also got out hit and out block uh 33 to 25 on the 
hits, so it was a Hitchcock game, and 18 to 14 on the blocks. Uh, we won faceoff to percentages 59 to 41, though. Just a note from our friend Jordan, who's the Avs fan. He texted me that the Avs are dead last in faceoffs, and just as a sort of bitter aside, he mentioned that uh, Ryan O'Reilly. Matt Duchesne and Paul Stastny are all top 15 in the NHL, all of <laughs> whom were formerly uh, uh, Colorado centers. So that's not great for them, and I feel bad. But Don't. Um, the Blues ended with two, on th- two of three on the power play, which is wonderful. Um, we got outplayed some of this game, but uh, I don't think we were really dominated most of the game. Hutton looked good. And, defense kept shots to the perimeter mm-hmm. doing the things you need to be doing and the avalanche were a red hot team before losing to montreal the other night on tuesday i want to say so yeah. it's not like this is some scrub team they've been really really good and we beat them at home and now we've won two more games in a row oh boy so let's see how that montreal game goes after the break um, so with those games kind of discussed, now we'll talk about some of the Blues news. Um, and I think the big story to discuss uh, from the start is just the Jake Allen situation that grows more and more confusing, clouded mystery, double speaky, 1984, <laughs> whatever you want to say. Uh, he's had two starts since December 29th, counting December 29th, yeah. uh, despite repeatedly being us being assured that he's the team's starting goalie. Um, he's 1-8 in his last nine appearances with a .896 save percentage. Um, Yo mentioned he did get to come in on the uh, blowout loss to Arizona. <laughs> I like how he got which, to come yeah, in. Which, You're welcome, Jake which Allen. Which Yo mentioned. I don't know if that was necessarily an opportunity to succeed either, the way we were playing, which is kind of like, yeah, yeah, it wasn't. So thanks. <laughs> um, I... I'm just kind of over the the standard line enough with the hot or you're the, the, we're just playing the hot hand, you mm-hmm. know, enough with that. Carter Hutton even said as much that he was tired of hearing it earlier this week. He just mentioned, I think I've been a pretty good goalie for the last two years, and I'm kind of tired of being described as the hot hand, you know? So what does that mean, though? I mean, I don't know. I, I guess what he's saying is I've earned my playing time. I'm not just on a streak is the best way to read it, you know, but he could also be saying, yeah. look, I'm the starter now. I get he's not saying that, but I don't know what people are seeing with this Carter Hutton starter streak. I mean, I'm glad and it's good. And I agree. Get the points when you can. And he's playing better currently, but you have to put Jake Allen in at some point. You have to see, it's weird to say for a guy that we've had for what, three years or something, but you have to see what you have in this guy. Like you, you have to. Yeah. I don't. I get it, but you. I really would have thought after the Arizona game that he was going to start in Ottawa. Or yeah, start that the was, Ottawa we game. didn't really draw that out at the during the course of the show, but that you would think he played okay in the Arizona mm-hmm. game and Hutton got chased. You would think if he was ever going to get a start, other than before the Arizona game when you thought he'd get the start against the terrible team. We, we've said this like three times yeah. now but he has to start against montreal right yeah you would think but like like I, if, if he starts against montreal it still will have been three full weeks since his last start which was a week and a half after the start before that yeah at what point is this hurting him 
You know what I mean? This point. I'm yeah, going to that, well, that's what I think. And maybe it's just reading hockey Twitter, which can sometimes be the worst thing to do. But people seem to just be fine with it. I mean, it's, it's only, whatever, 120 characters. But it seems like people are like, oh, well. 280 now. 280 now. Yeah. My bad. I'm a Twitter <laughs> novice. Uh, I just don't know... What other fans think, right. I guess. I'd yeah. love to know. Let us know what you think about Jake Allen not getting any starts. Our, our friend Jeff Jones at the St. Louis Game Time pointed out, and I think rightfully on Twitter, at some point, and this was after, I think after last game, or maybe when, once we found out Hutton was the starter for the last game, mm-hmm. uh, but he said at some point the refusal of the STL Blues to put Allen in net should, and then he said, will, question mark, raise questions as to whether or not they're looking to move him, which would have been a valid enough observation in the first place, uh, but there was a pretty blockbuster rumor this week that the Blues were pursuing a possible trade with uh, the Montreal Canadiens for Carey Price, uh, who is widely considered the best goalie in hockey. Um, the trade package we are rumored to have been offered. Did you you had the name of the guy who rumored? Which oh, I don't want to make you say. I was going to say, don't make French me say guy. his name. It's a French Canadian guy. Mm-hmm. That, that's it. That's what it is. John Charles. Charles that's the easy part. Courtois or something. L A J O I E. I'm going with. La Joy. La uh, Joy. If you're French Canadian out there and listening to us, stop. You can, t- <laughs> <laughs> you can tell us how offended we are. Uh, but the trade offer on the table, according to La Joy, is Alan, Robert Thomas, and a first round pick for Carey Price. Uh, there are several thoughts I have to mm-hmm. this trade. The first is please, God, do not do that. <laughs> and I'm saying agreed, this agreed. as someone who loves Carey Price. Like, more than I will love my children, I admire Carey Price. <laughs> I've always loved great goalies, and Carey Price may be better than anyone that I've seen play, certainly while I'm like a really hardcore hockey fan, you know, Verdor mm-hmm. and um, Waugh and some of those guys. I loved Hashik as a kid, but I wasn't like watching as much hockey as I do now, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's 30 years old already, which isn't old by any stretch, but it's, as we talked about last he, week with yeah. him being 32. He's on the back nine. You're getting on the back nine, of your, certainly of your prime yeah. and of your career as a whole. Uh, he just signed the bonkers $10.5 million over what eight or however many years contract which is honestly kind of like a, a tertiary concern of mine <laughs> with this. Um, I don't want to trade Robert Thomas for anything. And the the other, the positive way of looking at this is if this is a real trade rumor, and a lot of people have said, no, it's crazy, they'd never do this. But it's rare that you get packages this well, this specific, mm-hmm. without some fuel being to the fire, you know. Um it wasn't just a they're talking to Montreal about price sort of thing, you know. But it does show if this package is at all realistic how highly valued Robert Thomas is. Because you could argue that them taking Jake Allen at this point is kind of a bailout, sort of like the Laterra thing was with the uh, Flyers. You could argue not. You could argue that they're getting a good starting goalie in return for price. But yeah. that's not how we'd view it right now, <laughs> you know. Um and so, uh, in any case, the idea that Thomas and a first and a struggling goalie could get you 
the best goalie in hockey, arguably, speaks very highly of Thomas. Um, I don't want to wax on. I do want to mention for some people that have uh, complained about the realism of this, uh, that extension that Price signed doesn't take effect until next year. So uh, you can't write this rumor off on the fact that we couldn't get him in the cap space because he only has $6.5 million left on, on, on this year. That's his cap mm-hmm. hit. And with Stastny leaving and the cap expanding next year, you could easily fit in. Not easily, but you could fit in his contract. <laughs> Make it work. And then trading Jake's 4.3, you might have to add another player in there, you know, a Saboka or someone. Not uh, You know, we like yeah. Saboka, but just someone with those numbers. Or maybe they can eat part of a year of cap hit. I don't know how that works in terms of I short I think you term. do like a percentage or yeah, something. Yeah, I know you can. I just don't know if you can do it for one year of the contract rather than long term, you know. but Yeah, I'm not sure. Um in any case, it's somewhat feasible on that point. Uh, overall, though, what are your thoughts on this trade package? Supposedly that Allen, the first-round pick, and Robert Thomas was the Blues offer. Mm-hmm. And that supposedly... Oh, the, yes, I the, forgot yeah, to even mention this. The counteroffer by the Canadians was Carter Hutton, two first-round picks, and also still Robert Thomas, <laughs> which I think, again, speaks to the value of Robert Thomas. They'll shift other things, but they're like, we still want that Robert Thomas kid, yeah. for sure. Yeah, I don't like this trade for all the same reason you said. I mean, like you said, the cap could work, but it just seems like an awful lot regardless of if they eat any or what mm-hmm. have you. I don't like trading first-round picks, period, especially for a season seasons where it's way too far ahead. You don't know if this team's just going to be a dumpster. Yeah. And I know you don't think they will be, but I hate trading first-round picks for not this summer, the mm-hmm. one currently coming up that you kind of know where you'll place. I don't like trading Robert Thomas. That seems pretty explainable. We've mm-hmm. already talked about that. Um, my bigger point for not trading for Carey Price is that despite all of our talks about us having goalie issues, I don't think that that's this team's biggest issue. Mm -hmm. Last year we saw Jake Allen stand on his head and look absolutely amazing, maybe the best goaltender in that first round of the playoffs to get us past the wild, and we won that series 4-1 to in five games, but I'd say it's not even debatable that we did not look very good despite winning the series, the Mm -hmm. team in front of them. Mm -hmm. So I don't think getting an even better goalie necessarily solves, we'll say, your playoff issues. We might win some more games during the season, but I don't know if that's the cog we need to be trading. We do need a better goalie, so I think we need a more consistent goalie. I feel like this is if you have some old jalopy of a car that doesn't run all the time and what you want is a car that gets you from point a to point b yeah. reliably and the car salesman yeah. the car salesman says yeah here's a lambo and you go oh what's the price and it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars <laughs> and a quarter yeah million and you go i just want like a thing that runs uh-huh. and they go all we got is the ferrari or uh-huh. whatever and you go no thanks i think that I don't think this trade was going to happen anyways, but yeah. we don't need Carey Price. I like Carey Price, great player, uh-huh. great goalie. 
we as a team don't need him. And especially for like mortgaging your future on what I don't think this team currently has as far as a window. I don't think our Stanley Cup, our realistic Stanley Cup winning window is open. Anything can happen in the playoffs. I still root for him. Go Blues. I don't think it's realistic to have the open now, so why get Carey yeah. Price? And if you're looking long term, getting Carey Price definitely like narrows the window. Mm-hmm. For the long term, it expands it immediately. Yeah, you know, because he's a very good goalie, and he's carried the no pun intended the <laughs> Canadians to any relevance throughout his entire career. He's the only reason they've ever been good while he's been there. So he's probably single handedly saved Mark Bergevin's yeah, career probably. up there, but. Um, I think your analogy about the uh, the car is really fitting, and I agree that I just this this same basically same defensive core over the past three or four seasons has is at different points made Brian Elliott, Yaroslav Halak, Carter Hutton, and Jake Allen for that matter all look like gods mm-hmm. among men, you know, and. We want to, you know, if we want to blame the defensive core in Arizona, which we should do, I'm not saying it's Hutton's fault. We should definitely blame mm-hmm. the defensive core. We have to realize there's something about the character of this team that you can put any goalie back there, and there's still going to be Arizona games from time mm-hmm. to time. You know, so that'll happen. Um, I also just you were joking about how during our fandom we haven't really seen the just oh, yeah. <laughs> boneheaded like shocking blues trade that screws out the franchise. Which they've done before. Robert Thomas is as close as we'll ever get to having a number one center without tanking completely again, you mm-hmm. know. Um and drafting one first overall, basically. I don't know how it happened. Maybe it was God's gift. Maybe he's tired of us not having a Stanley Cup. I don't know. Because I've been trying. But we got this guy at twenty. We can't like we can't let him go. I under to me, under any circumstances, I value him more highly than anyone else who isn't <laughs> already a young number one center. Mm-hmm. You know, I maybe don't value him more highly than like McDavid Ovechkin, Matthews. Yeah. I would I wouldn't Ove- trade him for well, no Michigan, you no know, no probably, I got gotcha. you yeah exactly yeah. I mean Crosby's a better player but I'd still keep Thomas at present probably you know yeah. um, we sound crazy yeah, I agree do. with you but, but we sound I mean crazy. and and we talked last week you don't want to hype him up too much if the right deal was there that involved Thomas that helped you get you know that helped you get stronger immediately but also long term. Mm-hmm. Then fine, I'm all for it. I just don't think, I don't think we need to make a move that gets us over the hump this season because exactly. I think the hump is a lot higher this season. Yeah. Than we're letting on, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you like, you said you don't want to mortgage your future. The one thing I like, it, in a weird sort of backhand, almost seems like it contradicts everything I just said. <laughs> but like, here we go. I like the idea that Armstrong's out there turning over every rock, you know, sort of yeah. like exploring every option. I, you know, you always get, you always worry because of what you hear, you know, the very little trickle that trickles out from these behind the scenes stuff where it's just like, oh, we are getting 
uh, Mike Hoffman or Max Pacioretty or we're doing nothing this season. You know, it's mm-hmm. like you're always worried that the the guys aren't creative. I don't think that's ever been Army's weakness, but I do like the idea that he's out there. Agreed. I just don't think this is the right move. With all of that said, it could be totally yeah, bubkiss. So, that's true. But it's fun to talk about these the, things. Yeah, the weird thing with goalies is, like you'd mentioned, sort of like we made other worst goalies and carry price look really good with uh-huh. our defensive core i'll always i'll always say this every time anyone ever wants to make any sort of uh claim that you have to have an amazing goalie mm-hmm. to win a stanley cup and i'll rest on it for forever until the game's rules change like 180 degrees the detroit red wings won with chris osgood i don't care you do yeah. not need an amazing goalie to win the stanley cup oh, you need a regular man yeah. in that. I would say Carl Crawford's better than, or yeah. not Carl Crawford, Corey Crawford is better than Chris Osgood. Yeah. But he's not, you know, he's not Pecorine. Mm-hmm. With By the same standard, you can have Pecorine, Carey Price, or Henrik Lundqvist and not win Stanley Cup. Happens you know, all the time. So. Happens every year. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's a really good point. Yeah. So. You never know with goalies. Like you said, it could be Bubkus, but yeah. that's interesting to see. Uh, just sort of a general note then, as we're talking about trades, uh, there's been some rumors of linking us to Hoffman and Pacioretty, obviously, and we talked about how high the value on Thomas is. Did you want to talk about a little bit the name uh, from beyond the crypt, Robbie Fabry has <laughs> popped up a little this week. Did you want to mention something You're on right. that? right. He does feel a lot like we used to talk about a long time ago, if you remember, we'd talk about... It was before the podcast, how when David Perron was out, uh-huh. we oh, just yeah, yeah, joked yeah. that he was essentially dead and the team <laughs> didn't want to let us know. They had like buried him yeah. somewhere and they're like, oh, he's coming back for sure. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, <laughs> until we all just sort of forgot. Yeah. That's how it feels with Fabry uh, now, The idea too. that Robbie Fabry's name popped up in a trade rumor this week, to me, it's equally ridiculous as if someone had said, the Senators are really interested in Brett Hall as part of this <laughs> trade package. And I'm like, Okay, I don't know what that entails, like yeah. for you guys, but fine. For your you know? front office, yeah. In uh, Elliot Friedman's thirty-one thoughts on, which you can find on Sportsnet.ca up in Canada, so they don't do the com. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, uh, his one of his thoughts, I believe his seventh thought. I kind of chopped it on a little bit. Said that St. Louis remains on the radar for Mike Hoffman and on the radar elsewhere, looking for a scorer. He says, I'm not saying this is their choice, but I do think the Senators have done some due diligence on Robbie Fabry's injury. Which is interesting. They did it. It's bad. Yeah, you're right. That's what I should say. They said, yikes, that's two ACL tears. No, thank you. Um, the Senators, I guess, it came to light maybe a couple months ago that we're sort of looking at a possible Fabry Turris uh, <laughs> trade before he got injured. Now, maybe there were some other parts to it, too. Maybe it wouldn't have been a... Th- I guess that makes it not a three-way trade, you know, like they currently had, or like they did have this season. We were going to get Matt Duchesne and Kyle Turris for Robbie <laughs> Fabry. <laughs> Just a wealth of riches. <laughs> Has there ever been a three-way trade where it's not a triangle, but it's a Y? They give it to one, and they get just two back uh, yeah, from guess, another I guess team. so, yeah. Oh, uh, man. That's interesting... We need the center depth. So thanks for nothing, Robbie Fabry, for having weak knees. We're sick of it. Just like Shattenkirk and the no extensions last year. You're, you're as bad as Shattenkirk. <laughs> your body's weak. You're weak. <laughs> mentally. And you're making this country worse. Um, 
you know, I mean, these are all just regular statements. Yeah, people say these things all um, the time. It's interesting. I don't know. We've probably said this enough, and we're going to just have to say it more as we get close to the deadline. Trades would be cool. Trades are fun. I'm normally on the trade train just saying, do something cool. Mm. But I feel like we have enough of an interesting pipeline that I'd rather us kind of stay the course. There yeah. could be something out there, like you said, that I don't know about. And you're like, wow, I didn't. I mean, Never in a million years if someone goes, you know what we could do this last summer? We could trade Yori Latera for Braden Shen. I'm like, get the hell out of here. <laughs> like, yeah, we could do that, but... We could also the, turn daydreams into moon. <laughs> <laughs> like, the Flyers yeah. don't care. Um, so, magic like that can happen. You never know, but aside from that, I'm... Can, can I just really no, quickly... I don't, I'm not singling people out on Twitter, and I certainly don't remember his name. So if it's someone listening, I'm sure we love you. But <laughs> I saw someone say there was some tweet about we could trade Hoffman for Fabry, or Fabry for Hoffman. And it, the tweet was phrased, which this is impossible. This has to be impossible. But the tweet was phrased as if it was a one-for-one one thing. Like, we trade... No negative one ACLs, Robin <laughs> to the Ottawa Senators, and we get back Mike Hoffman for a healthy twenty goal score. Mike Hoffman. And there was someone on Twitter who said who turned that trade down on our behalf. Yeah, like no, no, said, no, no. I'll keep no, injured Robbie Fabry, and I'm not singling him out again. But like, what all I said to you was, I I love Bob, Robbie Fabry. But as we talked about last week, I have to see, like, half a season of healthy Robbie Fabry to ever, like, mm-hmm. plan on him again. You know, the same way we need to see, like, a good two months of good Jake Allen to be like, okay, exactly. we can, like, ride this roller coaster again <laughs> and probably fall off again, but at least get on, you know? <laughs> if there's any value on the trade market for Robbie Fabry, and you and I have talked about that we wouldn't do a lot of dra- deals for this mm-hmm. team just with the way the window's opening and closing for the long-term Stanley Cup. But if there's anything out there for Fabry, do it. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't, run, I wouldn't do it for, like, Duclair. You know, I wouldn't yeah, have done just that. Nothing. Because, like, if the player never had a ceiling as high as Fabry's once was, mm-hmm. then don't do it. But, like, Fabry, enough for Hoffman, if that had been this summer, I wouldn't have been, like, furious about it, you yeah. know? So... That's not going to happen either, but I'm just saying. <laughs> Overall, do you want to mention that one tweet from the Bostonian fella about the top six forwards? Do you have that written down? Oh, yeah. Let's see. We have a Jimmy Murphy. <laughs> very professional. <laughs> yeah. We got a Jimmy Murphy, who's Murphy's Law 74 on Twitter, tweeted on Tuesday. This is a lot of my friend's cousin's He's got wife a blue check mark, so. He's a he's human. <laughs> Uh, He said, one NHL source to me just now said, no, it's no secret, but man, are the Blues active. They will get a top six forward for sure. That's exciting, I guess. Like I said, it's a lot of my cousin's wife's mother said to me. Like, if the trade is right, I'm fine. I don't want to be a wet blanket. I I think we could make good trades with without necessarily sacrificing any of those top three guys and certainly without sacrificing Thomas. Yeah. I just want us to be careful because I don't want us to load up thinking this is the year when we can't even figure out who the frick our goal yeah. is and it's about to be February. <laughs> I know we can't hold on to every Doug Armstrong quote, but wasn't it a couple, maybe just a month ago or less, he already said like, 
he had a quote saying that this was sort of not even our time yeah. currently. Yeah. So I would hope that's kind of his mindset now. Like you said, anything that goes down as maybe not as lopsided or as mm-hmm. fun as a Shen trade, but it's like a Shen trade in that they're signed for a couple of years. He's part of the future. He fits into our picture yeah. for the long term, like we talked about. Yeah, I agree. Um, with with Army mentioned, I wanted to bring up a couple of quotes from him on KMOX. He's got fun ones. Because I think these are very interesting. Um, the, the one that really caught us off guard was he said, We don't handle success well, this team. It's been a staple of our group for several years to stay even keeled, but for whatever reason, this group can't handle accolades well or can't handle success well, and we pay for it. I don't know what that means. Maybe you do. I don't know how that works. The thing I really don't get is I think he said this like about the Arizona game. Mm -hmm. And if he did, who was like fusing praise on this team after a squeak squeak win in Toronto and like a a beatdown in Ottawa against one of the worst teams in the league? Who was just pouring accolades on this team? We were number one in the power rankings. But like... One of the things I find funny anytime a GM or coach speaks about anything, and it's like that's you, you that that's your job. Yeah, <laughs> you know, he, that's he, your he, team. He speaks it into the ether. Is like I don't know what you know. We don't have leadership. I don't know what my hands are tied. You know, <laughs> but uh, that was an interesting quote. Uh, he said about that game. We obviously didn't respect the opponent last night. We also didn't respect Florida. And he said, and this is kind of the big one, uh, speaking about what we just mentioned, is I want to let the players know that the standards that have been set here by the predecessors, uh, which are gods that were in the Yeah, the old gods. (laughs) (laughs) Have not been met, and this has to be met, or changes will happen. Um, (laughs) So, I mean... I, I would be fine with a like a statement change, you know, if he wants to go out there and swap, you know, Bergwin for anybody or Steen, mm-hmm. and not to single those guys out, but just be like, oh, here, this guy that's your locker room presence, he's gone, you know, that sort of thing. That'd be more interesting to me than like a yeah. mental situation. There was some rumor, and I I think this has even less teeth than the two we just talked about, but there was some rumor that had enough traction that was like Petrangelo, and it was like three different scenarios but one of them was the flyers for like two players and a first or a first which was our first we were getting it back from the latera trade and something else and i just remember thinking like that'd be a nuts like cool but why yeah and i don't think he's doing any of that necessarily but that would be like you woke up that's to your that statement news, you'd just be like what <laughs> that is like i remember driving down i think to kirksville uh-huh when ej and was it McClement? Oh, yeah, you were, because we were... Yeah. I, I went to school in Kirksville. You weren't there visiting mm-hmm. me, but because I was unloved at the time. <laughs> no. But we were talking about it that weekend, I remember. Just but, yeah, I remember, I think you texted me or heard on the radio or something, but I just remember being, like, in a daze. I mean, while well, you're driving to Kirksville, you're in a daze anyways. But I was, like... <laughs> it's in a, not much, folks. <laughs> yeah, I just remember being, like, holy cow, because I remember Chris Stewart was good, and Shane, I was like, man, I don't even know what to think anymore. Yeah, yeah that was... I, that's what I would love from this season is one of those trades. You go out there and swap Edmondson for whoever, you know, mm. and it's like, whoa, what just happened, yeah. you know? No uh, one's safe. Uh, and then one one final quote. This was from his interview with JR a week ago, but he was talking about the um, two bye weeks have been kind of compressed. We're at the end of the second one now. Um, 
and he was talking about the possibility for movement around this time, and he said these mid-season meetings always happen somewhere between January and early February, and now they all seem to be happening during these five-day breaks. It's the first time where it's con- congested over maybe two to two and a half weeks, so there's a lot more meetings going on right now, and I think teams are going to maybe have a little better understanding of what they're going to do, so there's probably more consistent dialogue coming out of this two-week break. So all of that is to say things may be happening soon for this team. They've righted the ship. I guess the final final question I'll pose to you before we talk about the tweet of the week is, scale of 1 to 10, and I'm springing this on you, but how would you grade this week, the three games we've talked about, their response to the Arizona game, which I assume you would give a 1 of or negative 12 of terribleness. <laughs> but how would you grade their week as a whole, considering how they responded? And then what's your like? What's your concern level for this group right now? I think this week, this, despite uh, that Arizona game, out of 10? We're out of 10? Yeah. Okay. I'll give it like a, like a 7. Like a, a a light six to a strong seven, <laughs> because we did beat Ottawa. I'm glad we came out and looked strong. Mm-hmm. And then this Avalanche game, even though I think it was a little more even, I think that makes sense because they're just a better team. But it was a, a strong team, a hot team, mm-hmm. like you said before their Habs game. Um, and we came out and we looked pretty good. And at home, that means something too because we haven't looked overly great at home either. I think on that one, mm-hmm. I might go closer to like four or five, only because Under if you five. look at the start of the week, mm-hmm. you, you're looking at three games that we should win coming off of two games that we won mm-hmm. against beatable teams, although the Avalanche are the least beatable of those. So while the two wins are great, the loss is so unforgivable and in such a bad fashion mm-hmm. that it's hard for me to go all the way to seven. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I see your point. It's not so, wildly <laughs> off base. To be, <laughs> I'm not too off base. <laughs> You're not too ridiculous. Um, but to your point, though, that's kind of where my ranking for like how concerned I am mm-hmm. falls into place for that Arizona game. I can't remember every big loss we've had this season because there's been a fair amount in recent memory through uh, this month and uh, well, I guess this month is January. I was gonna say this month in January, but January. It's concerning it goes along with the armstrong quote that we don't handle success well Mm -hmm. i feel like every time this team's turned a corner and not necessarily into this amazing team but a consistent team Mm -hmm. we don't we're consistently inconsistent we seem to get those two or three games and then a loss and i think the bigger deal is that sounds good because that's over 500 Mm -hmm. two or three wins a loss back to two or three wins but they're Big losses. Yeah, they're in spec like spectacular fashion. <laughs> they're against teams we should be beating, and for a division mm-hmm. as clumped up as we are currently, yeah, it we wouldn't take much. Can't be doing that. And I don't know. It's these big losses worry me. Mm-hmm. And so even though we won two games in a row, that Arizona loss, that Florida loss. I think we had one where we won a few games, then we lost to Nashville mm-hmm. like immediately after. They concerned me to the point that I've that Habs game on next Tuesday 
means nothing to me. It's 50-50. Like, flip a coin. I have no idea. Yeah. Maybe we'll do well. Maybe we won't. So, as far as... Cons- is that at home? That is home. Yeah, right? that's at home. Um, as Get far as... Going. Yeah. <laughs> as far as concern goes, like, what are we doing? 10 out of 10 is I'm not concerned or I am? 10 concerned. out of 10 is full-blown panic. Oh, whoa. Okay. We're not that far. <laughs> I'll give it a... I'll, I'll sit in the same spot. I'll give it, like, 7, maybe even 8 out of 10 because... Yeah. I don't see it yet, and the problem is you can't see it. You can't see it till it happens. Mm-hmm. I need kind of like the Fabry thing we were talking about with his injury. I need like I'm gonna say like two, maybe even three solid weeks. You don't have to win every game, mm-hmm. but those that whole stretch, I go. You know what? The Blues had a few miscues, but overall, this month they looked pretty good. Yeah, because I haven't been able to say that since November. That's pretty awful. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's I my number would probably be right at an eight, seven or eight. In terms of like, I don't think we have any chance to win the cup. Not to be negative, I just the, the, <laughs> we don't. Yeah, which is negative. I know. And no. I, to be fair, I've always said that the only way the Blues are ever going to win the cup is some like season out of nowhere where you're looking back and yeah. you're like that that freaking team won the cup. You know, kind of that 2006 Cardinals World Series yeah. vibe. But like, um. I, I just everything you said, I won't even reiterate it. It's just my big fear is that we as a fan base will look at the two wins, which were good wins. They were, I mean, it was a good team, mm-hmm. a good avalanche team that's fighting hard right now, and a great bounce back win against the Senators. But my fear is we'll look at those two wins, we'll look at Schwartz coming back, and we'll say, okay, it's fixed, we're fine. And then we'll go on the break, and just like, uh, just like, Armstrong talked about with the accolades thing, we'll just lay an egg against the Habs. Or even if we don't lay an egg against the Habs, people are going to so quickly, my fear is people will quickly forget that Arizona loss, but there is like a like a fault line almost, not to be too dramatic, but there's some <laughs> structural deficiency yeah. in this team that allowed that to happen. And it's there, and it could rear its head at any time. Mm-hmm. And that only needs to happen once in the playoffs to end the whole thing, you know. So while I'm happy about, you know, I, I probably four was too mean for the week. I should give it a five or six. I'm happy about the turnaround they've had. And brightest possible side, Arizona's a wake-up call. We never go back there again. Mm-hmm. But I've I've watched too much of this. I feel like we've said that enough. Yeah, Yeah. this year, (laughs) this year, and even despite what Armstrong says, even over the past few years, I just can't believe that. Till like you said, it's happened for a Mm -hmm. ton of time, and even then, I'm not psyched about it. So I want to be positive. Hopefully, we'll have one of these soon where we can just be, you know, overflowing with praise. They've got a stretch coming up, and it's harder teams. But like I said, I think it would speak volumes if they did really well. Mm -hmm. Canadians, Bruins, Sabres, eh. uh, Wild, <laughs> Avalanche, Jets, Penguins aren't playing well this year, but I mean, there's still the Penguins, mm-hmm. Predators, Stars, Sharks, Jets again. Like, go, I mean, go over 500 in that yeah. time. At this point, it sound, I swear to you, in my head, when I say go over 500 against those teams that are hard, to me, it sounds like I'm asking a miracle of them. Yeah. And really, it should we be. shouldn't be. We shouldn't yeah, be. Yeah, exactly. So, Hopefully, you know, that that's like you said, that's a stretch where you prove yourself. Yeah. Either you do it and you're good or you suck and you're out of the playoffs. <laughs> and I'll be leading up we'll to the see. trade deadline. That's why yeah. we're here to 
carry, hold your guys' hands, hold each other's hands, hands and get We all have to hold other. each other. Um, speaking of holding each other, this has nothing to do with that. But the tweet of the week, without <laughs> question, good. goes to the band Jimmy Eat World uh, on Twitter, the Vegas Golden Knights account. Uh, as who, as you know, are jokesters and pranksters, tweeted out, We used to like Jimmy Eat World's songs, but meow, we realized the Panthers play it when they score. It would meow be awesome, uh, or it would, na- it would meow be some sweetness not to hear it anymore, referencing the song that the Panthers play after their goals. So Jimmy Eat World coyly replied, uh, maybe just stop letting them score. <laughs> that was the whole tweet, and it made me heartily chuckle, I think, on the night of the Arizona loss, so it was worth it. Uh, so with that, hopefully laugh in your hearts and <laughs> our love in your soul, we will bid you adieu and talk to you next week. Thank you for listening. See ya.